Welcome back to another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. This is episode 48 and I am your host, Sarah Pendergrass. Today I am really stoked to bring you a very interesting, engaging and just very authentic down-to-earth conversation with my guest, Patrick Farnsworth. For those of you who don't know, Patrick is based in Texas and Well, any bikepacking fans may well already know who I'm talking about, as Patrick is a podcaster and the founder of Bikes or Death, a mainly bikepacking-focused podcast which last year hit over 1 million downloads. Patrick has subsequently evolved Bikes or Death to include a series of awesome-sounding bikepacking events in Texas. For me, this was a real gift, as Patrick's podcast provided so much inspiration to me back when I started bikepacking a few years ago. And it continues to be one of those podcasts I just love tuning into. Before I start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording, the land of the Gubby Gubby people. I recognize their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place. And I acknowledge they never ceded sovereignty. All right, so... This was my first interview where it was just me hosting and there was no Kristen and it felt strange. I am not going to lie. I'm going to be really interested to hear your feedback as time goes on. There is definitely, as anticipated, a different dynamic in a one-on-one conversation. It is so cool to speak to Patrick and I was also conscious of the difference when it's just me interviewing. Also, some of our existing listeners are, of course, going to notice I don't have the usual ukulele jingle intro. I did really have to think hard about what to do with this, and I've decided to leave it in season one. It's a celebration of the podcast shared with Kristen across a 46 episode. Kristen, of course, sang and played the intro herself. Curiously, I was thinking, when we launched the podcast, I actually sent Kristen the jingle from Bikes or Death, and asked her to give something similar a crack. So I, of course, love the synchronicity here, and I'm also ready to leave it in season one, and let's look forward to a new sign in season two. Speaking of which, what did you think? I was so overwhelmed with the unexpected gift of the new music, which will accompany the podcast going forward. I'm also so incredibly blown away at the talent of my friends, I did actually cry when I received this as this dear friend of mine knew I was honestly stressing about what to do about the sound for the new season after I decided to move into something new. And then before I know it, this track arrives in my inbox. So Ali Geddes, thank you, my love, for your immense creativity and really like for this amazing gift. I know when I first heard it, I was like, whoa, this is so different But that's exactly what I needed. Into the Wee Hours is about those campfire conversations into the wee hours. It's about adventuring into the dead of night in remote places. And this kind of, Ali, I don't know how you would describe it. Um, You're the musical one. But this, to me, ethereal vibe and this outback feel is just perfect. 
I'm truly blown away by your talent and your thoughtfulness. Thank you so much, my friend. So some housekeeping. If you've been enjoying the podcast and you're keen for it to continue, I would be so grateful, totally recognizing that times are tight and this may not be for everyone. But if there is any way you can make a contribution, I am keeping the Patreon open. So it is um, patreon.com forward slash into the hours podcast. Even a gold coin donation, should I say, would mean so much to me and would really help in keeping the lights on. I've talked about the time involved in podcasting, but the reality is there are some hard costs too. And with it just being me, I am now covering those all myself. So any contribution would be hugely welcomed and very gratefully received. Another way for free that you can support the podcast is by rating and reviewing on whatever platform you listen to. Thank you so much for everyone who already has done that. And also through social media, if you want to tag me, tag the podcast, tag our guests on Instagram, let us know what you thought. Sharing the podcast, again, it means so much to me and really to extending the voice of our guests who are giving up their time. All right, so let's dive into this episode with Patrick. Patrick, as I mentioned, is the founder of Bikes or Death. This, however, is so much more than a conversation just about bikes. It is about living life with an entrepreneurial creative spirit. It's about creating an incredible community thanks to his podcast, thanks to bikes, and thanks to the bikepacking events that he's creating. It's also about being a single parent of two young girls in Texas in 2024. We talk about life lessons, dealing with failure and shifting our perception of that, living with ADHD and really feeling the fear or feeling anxiety and doing the thing anyway. Thank you so much for your time, Patrick. I really am so grateful that you were able to make time amidst your very busy schedule to switch off and have this conversation with me. Listeners, I hope you love this episode. Let me know what you thought. I can't wait for you to listen and also to be back with another episode in just a few weeks time. I'm excited to bring back the frequency. All right, Patrick Farnsworth, welcome to the Into the Wee Hours podcast. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's exciting to be here. Thank you for joining me today. Do you want to share where you're recording from and what time it is with you? Um, I'm in my office um, which is a little bit of everything room. It's, I've got my bikes over there. I've got all my camping gear over there. I've got my treadmill, um, my staging area for all my audio video equipment. It's a bit of a mess. Uh, it's also anyway, I'm not going to go in too deep into that, but yeah, I'm recording from my office. That's the short answer. And it is five o'clock in the evening. So where in the world is your office? I'm in Texas. In Texas. Cool. All right. So it's yeah, 5 which o'clock. Is, yeah, Friday big state. So I'm, yeah, I'm in uh, College Station, Texas, which is, um, it's just a college town that its only claim to fame, I guess, would be its home to Texas A&M University. Um, but cool. yeah, I, do, I was just born here and I still live here. Yeah, cool. Okay. So um, just for context here, Patrick and I have not met. We've not spoken before. 
the podcast patrick into three hours is not a bike specific it is adventure so it's more like adventure or death rather than bikes or death which is the podcast that you run so some of our listeners will be familiar with bikepacking some will be know exactly about bikes or death and some won't at all so just bearing that okay. in mind as we go we might explain some stuff as we talk um but i'm just stoked that you're here thank you so much for sharing your time with me before we kick off, I thought we would just jump into some quick fire questions to warm up. All right. Okay. So first question. This is something. This is a deep and meaningful one. We ask everyone: pineapple on pizza? Hell's yes or hell's no? <laughs> oh man! Uh, <laughs> I actually uh, I peeked into one of your other episodes to get a feel for uh, the format, and I on the other one there was two hosts and i i'm noticing today there's one host um and which is great but um i noticed that there was a strong preference uh, at least by one of y'all for uh for no pineapple i don't think i have a strong preference here for pineapple on pizza one way or another i would say i i have never once in my life ordered pizza with pineapple on it but I have ate pizza with pineapple on it, and I it's it's okay. It's not my favorite, but um, I don't think there's any pizza that I don't like. I'll just eat just about any pizza. Got it. I got it. So yeah. So you, so you're aware, Patrick, and people listening may be thinking the same thing as well. For the last two and a half years, I have co-hosted this podcast with an American friend of mine, Kristen. And she has now retired from the podcast. So this is actually my first episode, just one-on-one. -on -one. So I appreciate you oh, being wow. here. And yeah, d different dynamic. And obviously, um, it's been so great to share it with Kristen. But as you'll understand, podcasting is time-consuming. And you just need to prioritize different stuff in life. So I'm giving it a crack on my own. So let's see how we yeah. go. <laughs> how, are you, how are you feeling about it? I'm going to podcast you for a second. <laughs> Are you, are you more nervous having like all of the pressure on you um, or are you, yeah, are you excited about this? Like, how are you feeling about doing your first one on your own? Yeah, a whole, a whole mix of stuff, to be honest. Definitely feel more pressure because I've been used to having someone else there. So if I'm like, what, where are we going next? Kristen and I would have this quiet eye contact of like, okay, and we managed it together. Um, but also excited, you know, it is going to change the dynamic for sure of the conversations, but I'm keen to give it a crack. It was my idea initially, and I'm just going to roll with it and see how we go. But yeah, definitely missing having my fun co-host as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I hope that I'm an easy guest and I make it easy on you. So I hope we just have a good time. Like as my first guest, you understand audio stuff as a podcaster and I know you can talk. So I appreciate that also. <laughs> Yep, yep. I'm not shy to talk, so I, I think we'll be okay. Awesome. All right. Next question. Adventure. Solo or shared? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would say that always shared. Not always, like, my preference is always a shared adventure. And a shared adventure usually with um you know my significant other or or a good friend or two like buddies that i go riding with um these days i'm fortunate enough to like host my own events host my own rides 
and I really enjoy um, leading a ride for the sake of introducing people to bikepacking, introducing people to the outdoors. I get a ton of satisfaction out of out of that, and so yeah, I I, I like I like I like sharing adventure with somebody. I think when you share in that experience, it like amplifies it in a way, right? Like you have someone that you can, I don't know, my girlfriend and I, we were just hiking in Big Bend and, um, you know, there was a, there was a blue jay. There was actually quite a few blue jays, but um, being in that experience and like both of us being able to like enjoy that experience. And then later on in the trip, we saw a coyote, uh, which was like, like really up close, a coyote, and um, I think those experiences for me are kind of like amplified and like a little bit more special whenever there's somebody else to um, to share it with and enjoy it with and be like, oh my gosh, look at that, you know? I absolutely understand. And I definitely want to loop back to this conversation as well because I can relate fully. Next quick fire. I know that you enjoy reading. Yeah. You've mentioned that on your last podcast with Sofiane. Um, books, fiction or nonfiction? Hmm. Typically, mm, oh, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> Both. Um, I've I yeah. I go through stages. Um, I've been really enjoying classics lately, like Hemingway. Uh, right now, I'm reading uh, Wild. I think it's just titled Wild, and I can't remember the author's name. Is but it it's about Cheryl Strayed through hiking. Thank you so much. Yeah. Your brain is working flawlessly, um, which is an excellent book, which is, is obviously nonfiction. There's probably a little fiction mingled in there. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy both of them. I guess lately I've been reading more nonfiction books. Yeah, fair enough. Cool. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, I'm a night owl. Easy answer. <laughs> well, we're doing well because I'm an early bird. It's your evening. It's my morning. So <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, these ones are a little bit longer, um, but just first thing that comes to mind. If you could write something on a billboard that people go past and see every single day, whether they're walking, pedaling their bikes, driving their cars, what would you write on the billboard? Oh, crap. <laughs> Is that what you're going to write on the billboard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my billboard. Oh, crap. <laughs> That's actually a great answer. I like that. Oh, I know. I know what it would be. I know what it would be. Uh, go ride your damn bike. Right. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Let, let's come Easy. back to that as well. That is your philosophy for sure. I love that. Okay. Ride your damn bike. Yeah. Um, it is the start of 2024. It's a new year. I know from, again, listening to your podcast, you've been doing a bit of reflecting on the year that has gone. What is the biggest thing that you feel you learned in the past year? Oh man, I learned a lot in 2023, um, and I think we will get into some of this in today's episode if the show notes are any indication. Um, I learned a, I learned to a greater degree the amount of control I have in my own life. And the ability that I have to rely on myself. Yeah, okay. Huge. Definitely, let's come back to that. Yeah. 
Now, final one. You may have heard this in a podcast episode you listened to. You may not have done. But a genie shows up, Patrick. The genie grants you three wishes. You can't bring someone back from the dead. You can't make someone fall in love with you. And you can't ask for more wishes. What are your three wishes? I wish I had heard the billboard one before, so I had had a better <laughs> answer. But I did hear this one. Um, and so uh, I did have a, a moment to think about it. And I think um, I would ask for a million dollars. And for obvious reasons, <laughs> I would ask, I would want not for more time, but to be a better a better manager of the time that I have. Uh, I'm, I suffer pretty badly from ADHD and it, that results in just being scatterbrained like on a daily basis, you know, from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, feeling kind of scattered and, you know, a million intrusive thoughts and, um, and, and being distracted easily. And so I think if I could, uh, you know, kind of point the ship in a more targeted way and take advantage of the time that I have. Um, I think that would be great. And the last one, uh, I think is maybe a fun one. I, I would love for audio equipment that records, uh, without any ambient noises around it. So, uh, one one format of podcasting I really like to do is like a ride along episode where yeah. we go on a bike packing or just a cycling trip together, and I, I I struggle with getting good audio from those episodes because there's like gravel sounds, there's wind, and um, that's a you know as podcasters like we we really want good audio, you know we want the content to be enjoyable, and so if I could snap my fingers. And there was perfect audio equipment so I could go on these adventures and capture uh, epic audio all the time. I think that would be pretty great. I love that one. And I, I do love the fact that you do do that sort of recording. And same with your live events. It's something that I would love to look into as well. But audio is always the biggest challenge. And we know how frustrating yeah. it is when you're listening to stuff. And it's just like, it's not quite right. It doesn't matter how good the conversation is. It still is frustrating. So... I hear you on oh, that. Yeah. I hear you on that. Yeah, it's, it's painful. It is painful. So normally at this point we jump into the origin story, but what I want to try, just because the podcast is about elevating the voice of everyday people, and you know, before we started recording, we had a chat about you being power napping, you hadn't set your timer, stuff is going on, it's life. Can you share with me just a snapshot of what is a day in the life of Patrick look like? If you pick like a weekday, what does your day look like? Do you have a routine? Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I live a crazy, hectic uh, life that doesn't make sense to me at all. Uh, it, every day is different. Um, you know, I, I <laughs> you put it in your, in your show notes, but um, I have two ex-wives, I have a child with each ex-wife, each of those have different custody schedules. And so, you know, sometimes my day is a lot of uh, picking up kids and dropping off kids. And um, also I'm a single parent. So, you know, it's laundry and cooking and cleaning and fixing the house and changing the oil in the car 
and then I run a business that delves into many different areas of bikepacking and cycling, and so uh, managing my employees and then the projects that we have, whether they're through the podcast or events that we're doing, um, and then my own like personal like riding goals, fitness goals. Um, I don't have a routine because almost every single day I wake up, there are different elements at play that I'm having to juggle. Um, so I am trying to like gain better control of that. And that's something I'm really focused on in 2023. And I'll continue to is, um, is, is maybe not like a routine, but maybe like, um, learning to prioritize the things in life that matter the most and making sure that I'm taking care of those things. And, and one of those things that I really learned in 2023 was to take care and value myself more, um, which is something that I really struggled with um, through a divorce that happened during the pandemic and then uh, the subsequent couple years after that. And so, yeah, my routine is like, really crazy my schedule is is all over the place but i'm starting to learn how to really prioritize the things in life that um that matter the relationships and matter the routine you know maybe routine is a bad word but the activities on a day-to-day basis the the habits that's the word i'm looking for like the habits on a daily basis um but they could come at you know like let's say i'm going to go to the gym it could happen at 10 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night um, because every day is just a little bit different. Yeah, fair enough. It sounds like you're juggling a lot as like a lot of people are, right? But it also sounds like you've gained a lot of awareness over the last year that you potentially have more control over how that looks than maybe has felt like in the past. So I'm excited for you for the year ahead. It's it's life, right? It's a, a slow and steady game of learning yeah. and <laughs> seeing what works. And you're obviously balancing a lot. So in terms of, you mentioned at the top that you are in Texas and you're in the same place that you were born in. Is that right? Like what's, what's yeah. your origin story? Tell me a little bit in as many or as few words as you like about how you got to where you are today. Oh, that's a really tough one. I I often tell people, and it's not hyperbole, I feel like I've lived a thousand lives, um, which is really a tale that I try to reinforce with myself about how much you can accomplish in your life. You know, if you like, um, if I'm looking forward at, uh, you know, the next five years, I, I'm like, man, look at all the crazy stuff or all the things you've done in the last 43 years imagine what you could accomplish in the next five um yeah i, I grew up in uh bryan college station i was born in 1980 and i guess the reason i bring that up is because i i was born in that sweet spot of growing up without the internet um and you know in a world where mom and dad would literally kick you out of the house in the morning and you know as long as it was a school day and they wouldn't let you back inside the house until the evening. And my brother, sisters, and I, we would ride our bikes um, all over town. We would uh, make shitty, you know, shitty ramps and ramp them on our bikes and make tree houses and play with frogs in the creek and um, really, you know, gained, a, I think, a lifelong appreciation for um, that 
that pure joy of like freedom and exploration that comes from uh, getting on a bike and like just going out without a plan, uh, without like a rigid training schedule or a route that you have to follow and really like appreciating uh, this this love for exploration and, and, and adventure and like I said, the freedom that comes along with that. You know, fast forwarding, I, well, and for context, I grew up uh, in a religion called, uh, in Mormonism, which I think most people are familiar with. And um, I really struggled uh, with that uh, in my youth as, as being something that I identified with. Um, at the age of 14, I got into drugs. By the age of 21, I was, uh, I'd been in jail six times. After going down that path for a while, I was like, hmm, maybe I'll try Mormonism again. And uh, so I, I got back into Mormonism, actually wound up getting married and, and having my first uh, daughter um, as a member of the church. And then, uh, you know, to make the story short, I eventually kind of, again, uh, for the second time in my life, but this time as an adult, um, realized that that religion wasn't for me and I, I left that religion. Um, and then, you know, the other factor in my life is like, I never, uh, I never went to college. Like I'm a high school dropout. And so from the age of 17, uh, I've just been figuring stuff out, you know, like I, I guess, you know, the, the professional word is I've been an entrepreneur and I have, I've owned, you know, a number of different businesses, um, internet startups, brick and mortar stores. I've usually been in some type of management, uh, level or owning my own business on one level or another, um, for pretty much my whole life. Um, which, yeah, eventually like led into the podcast. Uh, right prior to the podcast, I was a real estate agent for 14 years and really found that to be, I mean, the money's great on real estate, like, um, but I really, I really struggled with, um, particularly like I love people, but whenever you add money into the mix of people, you often see the worst parts of humanity and that's on both sides of the aisle and I, 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 I couldn't help but like be just like bummed out on like a daily basis from uh, dealing with people and their greed and their inability to be kind to other people um, just to make a couple extra dollars. Um, all these things like really weighed on me but at the same time um, you know, I'm a parent again, and uh, have a real sense of responsibility to uh, my children and, and my my family. Um, so instead of letting go of real estate, I I was like, you know, I'm gonna find a passion project, something to do on the side, something that literally makes me feel good. You know, when I lay my head down on the piece, uh, on my pillow at night, like what am I doing on a day to day basis that you know makes me feel okay about being me. And uh, that's, that was essentially the origin of Bikes for Death. It was simply um, something that I wanted to do um, to make me feel good, make me feel like I was contributing something of value into this world and uh, that I really enjoyed and got value out of. So yeah, my life has is is been a roller coaster, but uh, those are some of the highlights. <laughs> 
No, I appreciate. Thank you for sharing all of that. And it, it seems like you're you're in a good place now in terms of like bikes or death in itself. If we come to that, for people who haven't listened to it, it's mainly an interview based podcast. Would you describe it that way? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Conversational interview. Mm-hmm. Conversational bike packing, riding bikes being the main theme of it. When you start a podcast, I feel like one of the, I mean, potentially one of the most challenging things is the focus and like, what do you want the podcast to be about? Why bikes? Why did you choose that? Yeah, it's a good question. I actually started a different podcast prior to Bikes for Death um, that had nothing to do with bikes. And it was more born of uh, my love for podcasting, my love for um, I got a lot of value out of listening to other podcasts, and I felt like, um, it, I, I like to say, it made me feel better about being me. Like whenever you hear other people struggling with their ideas, or um, maybe not saying anything, you know, saying the the exact right thing at the exact right moment, or um, you know, whatever it is, like I and and you just hear behind people see, you know, behind behind people's lives and. Um, you might listen to like a famous actor or author or or athlete and you hear about the struggles that it takes them to get to where they're at you know oftentimes we just see the end result of oh I read that book and it was amazing or oh they won Wimbledon or whatever but what I really value is the opportunity to get to know people on a more intimate level and understand like the behind the scenes aspect of uh, people in their day-to-day lives. And so, um, yeah, I started a whole nother podcast before this one, uh, out of, out of, you know, my, uh, yeah, just love for podcasting, the value I put on conversation and learning from other people. And I'm just a naturally curious person that, that really enjoys people and getting to know people. Um, what was your question? <laughs> the, the question. I, oh, why bikes? Why bikes? Yeah. Why bikes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, adjacent to that, at the same time I was doing that, I'm, I, I'm entrepreneurial minded and I've always got a million ideas. So at the same time I was doing this other podcast, at the same time I was experimenting with um, uh, YouTube videos and writing blogs and stuff about... Um, just getting people outside. My, my focus at that time was specifically in Texas. Um, Texas is not well known for its outdoor recreation. Less than 3% of our land is available, is, is public lands. And so, um, you know, I, I was, I was kind of looking for a way and finding a way to, to mo- mainly just get people out, outside, you know. Um, and then, Around the same time, uh, I I've been a cyclist my whole life, so that's always kind of been a constant for the for most of my life. And uh, I found out about bike packing, got into bike packing, and I quickly learned that there were little to no podcasts talking to these people going and doing um, what I consider to be the hardest endurance effort that is available to us as humans on the planet currently. And uh, so <laughs> it, it really started, this will tie into my entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I, I was really, <laughs> here's the real truth. Uh, I, I was like, you know, taking all these trips for my own 
benefit to go ride bikes all over the United States. And I was like, how can I make that a tax write-off? I was like, oh, I'll just start a podcast. And every time I travel somewhere, I'll interview somebody for the podcast. And then I'll write off the entire trip as a podcasting expense. Um, so, yeah, that, that was <laughs> how, it, how it really happened. I love that. Thank you for that honesty. And I I think, again, that's so relatable. You know, if you do have that entrepreneurial spirit, you're kind of pairing what you love. You obviously love connecting people who are riding bikes, as you say, doing these incredible endurance efforts and bikepacking. I mean, you started your podcast five years ago. I imagine you'll have seen a lot of change in the bikepacking scene, even within five years. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Big time. And so when you started, you obviously were thinking of the tax write-off. You're now in a position where you're no longer in real estate. You're making bikes or death your life. Did you have that commercial idea like when you launched it? Or was it kind of like, it's a tax write-off. It means I can travel, ride my bike, meet some people. What was the vision when you actually launched it? Yeah, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I'm not ignorant to the potential for things to grow into something bigger. Um, it was never, it was far outside the scope of my imagination that, you know, at the same time I get into podcasting in this space, bikepacking is also um, this wave that's like cresting. And I just happened to catch it at this exact right i mean i really did catch it at like a really good time where there was hardly anybody else in the the space i think um the bike the canada bikepacking podcast i I believe was the only other podcast that was um that was even out uh in the world that i that i'm aware of uh when i started it and and then at the same time bikepacking just really uh started to gain popularity and so I could, could have never imagined um, the growth potential that it had, but it didn't take long once I, I mean, really, I know exactly when it was. I was three episodes in and Miles Arbor from bikepacking.com contacted me and was like, hey, we'd like to feature you on um, our website. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, bikepacking.com is... Uh, has been, especially at that time, was like the premier uh, bikepacking website with the routes, with the gear reviews, with the most information about bikepacking. And he was like, he was like, let's at least have you get a few more episodes under your belt and then we'll, you know, put it on the website. So after six episodes, um, they put it on their website and, you know, my numbers just like went through the roof. And so, yeah, it, I know exactly when it happened. It was around episode three when Miles uh, contacted me. And I was like, hmm, maybe I'm onto something. And then episodes after episode six, when they published it and my numbers, I don't even know. It was like a hundred times more listeners. I don't even know. It was like a lot. Uh, uh, yeah. And so from that moment on, I... I was a lot more mindful and aware of the potential for this to grow. Um, still not really aware or thinking that it could be my job, but but I I've cared about this from the beginning. You know, I, I, I care about getting people into the outdoors. 
I love riding my bike and I really love people and connecting with people. And so it's like the, the podcast in this space is like a really perfect confluence for me where it's something I'm genuinely passionate about. I feel like I genuinely have an opportunity to do something good and meaningful in my life and also enrich the lives of other people. And that's not something that I've taken lightly. And I honestly didn't even take it lightly from episode one, you know, like I was eager to reach anybody I could. I actually, I had um, Angus Morton on my podcast. I hosted my own podcast this morning and, you know, he, he just produced a film called The Divide, which features his brother, Lachlan Morton, who uh, just took on the tour divide. Um, and you know, he, he was like, dude, if I could just reach one person, you know, if like, if I could, if I could just get one person to get off their couch and, and go on an adventure or just go on a bike ride outside their door or go climb a mountain, like whatever it is. And, and that was, that was my perspective as well too. Like from the very beginning, I'm like, man, how cool would it be? How cool would it be if a hundred people listen to my podcast, a hundred people, yeah, a hundred, yeah. that would be epic <laughs> to think that a hundred people were getting value out of what I was doing, the stories that I was sharing, and what could that do in their life? And so I've never been um, like complacent at all about the value that the podcast has in my life and how meaningful it is to me. But I have become more aware of like maybe the business side of it and the potential for it to, you know, be a job. Yeah, I love that. And I love like that vision. I can completely understand as well. The idea of Into the Hours was essentially about elevating the voice of the everyday person, like recognizing that there are, I mean, you've interviewed incredible guests like Lil Wilcox, like Chris Burkard. But sometimes that can just seem like a step too far. You know, it's like, oh, that's like an incredible athlete. Like, I'm not capable of that. Or I'm juggling this and that. Like, I can't get out there. But the reality is there are lots of really cool people living in inverted commas everyday lives actually getting out and doing it as well. And I love that reflection of like, imagine if 100 people, like imagine if you were standing on a stage talking to 100 people in person. How cool right. would that be if that room had those people in it? And like, how many downloads are you at now? It's something ludicrous. So I, at the end, towards the end of last year, I crested 1 million total downloads, which is just an insane number. Insane. Um, I think, you know, in the first week, my episodes, they probably averaged like 3,500 to 4,000. I haven't actually looked lately. I used to like obsess about the numbers. And I'm, I love numbers and I get all nerdy about them, but I actually haven't really looked lately, but they're, they're pretty good. It's incredible. Like, if yeah, you but just I mean, yeah, thousands of people are, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, sorry. I cut you off. What were we saying? No, I was just saying, just literally imagining a million downloads. Like it's so hard to even imagine, right? It's incredible. Yeah. yeah you're doing an amazing yeah, job. That was weird. Like when it was at 980, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. But there was something like when it turned a million, I'm like a million, like, <laughs> holy shit. You know, that's, 
That's cr- I can't even I can't even fathom that. You know, it's it's amazing. It's it, so cool. It is amazing, and congrats. And it's also it's testament to you. You hold like you facilitate great conversations. You have such interesting guests. I feel like you make a very conscious effort to have a diversity of people on there as well. Um, and it is really inspiring listening to those stories. And then you talked about, obviously, this idea of connecting people and just encouraging people to get out there. You're not just running the podcast anymore. That That isn't Bikes or Death alone. Tell me a little bit about the event side of things and, yeah, the other little projects that you have running under that umbrella. Yeah, I mean, the big... The big other leg of bikes for death is um is the events and man it's another thing that just like took off and i feel like i've just been really fortunate um but i let's see when did i i guess it was the first i don't even remember we're we're on our fourth east texas showdown so like for for the listening audience um I created an event, a race in East Texas, um, which for people who don't know anything about Texas, nobody goes to East Texas. There's no tourism out there. Um, the only reason you go to East Texas is if you're going to Louisiana or if you have um, relatives that live in the area. But like, there's no major city that I could tell you about. It's just woods and rednecks and uh, i love rednecks so i'm not being derogatory um but uh but like i uh part i I guess why i cued in on that area is because uh, what i referenced earlier in the podcast is that um texas is comprised of less than three percent public lands the biggest swath of public land in Texas is in East Texas. So we have the Sam Houston National Forest and the Davy Crockett National Forest, which is a contiguous, um, you know, it's a contiguous area that's known for their loblolly pine trees, which are these beautiful pine trees that, that stand 100, 150 feet tall. And um, so it's, it's a really um, geographically like significant area of Texas. We have public lands there, which makes it a little bit more accessible for like dispersed camping um, and, you know, gravel roads, getting away from cars and all those kinds of things. And so, you know, that was the place that I really identified as being like where I'd want to hold an event. And then I just started to think about like, I really approached it. If I, if what, what race or event would I want to participate in? Um, the same way I created a podcast, it's like, what, what kind of podcast would I want? What kind of podcast would I want to listen to? And so I created, um, event that I hope cast a wide net. So we have three different distances. Um, the shortest version is 165 miles and it's not a race. It's just a group ride. We have a group campsite that's set up for you and the bikes for death team is there and we'll bring some booze and we'll, um, light a fire and we'll share, share stories with you and we'll like hang out and we will not reward you for going fast. There's no prizes. There's nothing. So it's just a ride. And then the next, uh, so that one we call the low down. And then from there you can step up to the slow down, which is 280 miles. And that one, we kind of blur the lines between a race and just a ride. So we have 
um, you know, fun awards for like we we award the person who went the slowest. That's our pro slow award. Love and it. then if you go, if you win, we call it our faux slow award. Um, and uh, you know, prizes for like the best dressed or the best pitcher taken on course or whatever it is. So trying to find ways to acknowledge and, uh, and and appreciate the people who went fast, but also the people who like took their time and enjoyed it. And then uh, the longest distance in that event is 400 miles, and that's the showdown. And that one's just a pure out race, and you know, uh, and 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 it follows like traditional bike pack. Well, yeah, all of it is solo self supported. Um, none of it is like supported at all. There's no aid stations. I guess the closest we come in is is on the lowdown. Is like we'll provide some beer and some firewood, but. You know, everybody's carrying their own gear. Everybody's responsible for themselves and the whole the whole shebang. And then when the event is over, like the thing that I really harped on um, was having a party. You know, so the reason why the distances are the way they are is like I wanted I wanted to be able to do it in a way where we could finish all three events in relatively like about the same time and then all get together and have the hoedown um, where we stick to the theme. Uh, and, and we, you know, we have live music and we have a good time. We share stories and, um, that event has just, I, I did not, maybe I just need to open my my eyes a little bit and look around, but like the podcast, I had no expectation of it becoming as big as it has been, but, um, it is really taken off. I mean, it sells out in a matter of hours um, each year we add 50 new people. Um, this year we have, I mean, I was only supposed to open it up to 250. I think so far we have 280. Um, and I hope my, uh, my host, uh, our, our, uh, the bullet grill where we host this doesn't get mad at me, but I mean, we just have so many people that are trying to get into this thing. Uh, and it's been great, man. It's been amazing to take because I mean, you you know, you host a podcast. Like we just sit in our house and we talk into microphones, and we go out and people like DM us and they send us emails and they sign up on Patreon and and that's awesome. Like it's it's so cool to get all that, but it's a totally different thing to be able to create the space in person and, and start to make those connections in real life. And and the great thing about those events is like they're not only edifying for me, but the people that come like man it is so great to be able to provide a place and a space for people to come to have that experience and then to have that shared experience with other people in the community that can understand what they just did because i can promise you when you go work back to work on monday the people that you're telling they're not going to understand what you did you might say hey i rode my bike 400 miles and i did it in 24 hours and i didn't sleep and they're gonna be like you're crazy you know or or you know they they just won't get it and so having that opportunity to like have that shared experience afterwards has has really been really cool i love that it's it's super inspiring to me and it's funny i mean maybe it's not funny maybe I um, have been attracted to talking to you because there's an alignment there, like naturally. But I, um, prior to dropping this episode, I've recorded a solo episode just in terms of my vision going forward for this podcast. And for me, like, I love the conversation. I love, 
even just, you know, listeners that then connect with people we've interviewed as well. So listeners talking to guests and all the rest. But at the end of the day, I am sitting here in my spare bedroom <laughs> talking and it's like a, you know, a one way conversation in that sense. And I would love to look at community events and actually connecting people in person as well so seeing what you're doing yeah. and also like i just can't imagine the scale of it like it's incredible but you've you've put out such an authentic thing right like you're i mean the theme is awesome <laughs> i love it <laughs> it's great but also you know obviously you are encouraging people in a very like inclusive way you've got the lowdown through to the showdown so many options and then just that sociable aspect to it as well like you say we can go into the office after a weekend like at the end of the day, people don't get it. You can't understand the scale or the experience if you haven't been there riding your bike and being able to meet right. those people and sharing that. It's so cool. Like I wish I was local and I would come to your event as well, Patrick. It's really, <laughs> oh, yeah. really awesome to we see. We need to cross the pond. I, I'd love to get to Australia. You're in Australia, right? I am in Australia. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd, love, I'd love to get over there. It's a long, long plane ride. Yeah, and I, I mean... I guess, you know, just to finish the events thought, because, I mean, the events are really the thing that takes the brunt of my time at this point. So mm. when I started uh, East Texas Showdown, no idea that it would be so successful. Um, then I had the idea, okay, well, late, let's make this a series. And so now we have um, the Central Texas Showdown, which is the exact same format, and we're about to release in 2025 the West Texas Showdown, uh, which will be out in like the Big Bend um, area, which is like a national park and a state park. And so, yeah, I mean, we're, I'm creating what's essentially the Texas, uh, Texas Triple Crown. Like we're going to have our own Triple Crown. Amazing. And it is really neat. Like I'm a lifelong Texan. Um, I've been one of the first people to shit on Texas uh, for a variety of different reasons. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a dad with two kids. Like, I live in Texas. I'm not, I can't leave Texas unless I don't want to be their father anymore. Yeah. And that's not the program I'm on. And so, like, I'm like, you know what, Patrick, quit being a buddy duddy about where you <laughs> live. Like, um, there's a lot of other places I'd really like to live. Um, but, like, through these events, um, I'm regaining a greater appreciation for my own home state. I'm learning to, yeah, maybe like fall in love with it again, like and 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 revisit Texas. And I've been really, um, really surprised by like how, just how cool it is to like introduce people to Texas through these different events. You know, in in East Texas, you're going to be in the Piney Woods. In Central Texas, you're going to be in the hill country and in west texas you're going to be in the desert and so it's just like a neat way to like introduce people to texas through a sport and the community that i i'm really passionate about and then we have like man my event calendar is stupid um so i could talk for hours about events but those are like the big three that i do um yeah i love that and i before we wrap up the event side of things um I see riding bikes as a pretty privileged activity in many respects. Um, you obviously have like different levels of accessibility with those events, with the different distances and like the different focus of kind of more adventure party versus race. Do you have any consideration within that in terms of inclusivity, recognizing more minority communities? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
You know, I would say one of my one of my goals from the very beginning was to feature um, women on my platform. Uh, I'm a father of two daughters. I was raised by a very strong woman, and uh, I've always been always been pro woman. And uh, so I've always like you know I've always been motivated to find ways to. Um, encourage the growth of you know women in our sport and you know I, I was actually listened to I think her name was April that was doing the tour divide uh, yeah, uh, yeah the episode with April uh, it was the first one when I was scrolling back that wasn't about running and so yes. I was like okay bikes I know about bikes so I'll listen to this one uh, and she said like the tour divide uh, for 2023 had 11% of its uh, of the field was women, and that was like the, actually the the highest number of women that had ever participated. And each year in my events, like I remember the first year was like we had fourteen percent women, and I know last year we got up to twenty one percent women. And you know it's it's a slow growth, but that's like an area that I I would like to really continue to foster. And hopefully, like it's just a, it's it's like representation matters, right? It's like when you can see your friend go do it, when you see them or listen to them on a, on a podcast, it kind of gives other people permission to say, oh, I can do that too. Um, the other area, you know, um, the Black Lives Matter movement really struck a chord with me. It's an area that I realized that I had some opportunities for growth in. Um, and in 2024, we're going to take a, a larger step in the direction of, of rep- representing or just creating community and events that cast the widest net possible. So um, one of the people I just hired is Ariel Marlowe, who's a, a black man. Um, he has a degree from Texas A&M University, actually a master's degree from Texas A&M University, um, about building community like he has a degree in this shit so um he's also like a just a natural community leader and uh community organizer and he's he he's with an organization called black history bike ride and i'm actually um on february 17th i'm uh co-hosting a a ride with them and uh that's obviously targeting to buy the bipoc community um, and I'm going to be hosting a podcast with them. And, and really, again, it's, it's really just about that. That's two part one. I have a platform and show, you know, showcasing, uh, people on my platform, uh, has the opportunity to, um, help connect with other people and say, Hey, this is a, a great space for you. And, and you can go do this thing too. And then, like hiring Ariel is just a great way to make sure that I'm open to any blind spots that I might have. Like we all have them, of um, and Ariel is just a great person to make sure that that the mission of Bikes or Death to you know I, I say cast a wide net. Like I want everybody, you know, regardless of you know wealth, gender, skin color, whatever. It's like yes. This is a place for you. Yeah. Um, this is a community for you, and especially my events are a place for you. And having a, the staff—it's uh, one thing to say that, right? But I'm really trying to like put my money where my mouth is, for lack of a better word. And 
and and and make sure that we are doing the best we can to bring as many people into the sport because the outdoors are for everybody and um, everybody's welcome. So I'm, I, it's definitely something I'm I'm focusing on and passionate about. I love that, and I think, like you say, it's so important that distinction between just talking the talk and walking it. And it sounds like you really are bringing this to life. So that's exciting to hear. All right. So shifting gears a little bit, um, in your origin story, something that like clicked when you were talking was about your childhood and essentially how you were outside playing, interacting with nature, you know, as a social thing as well. Um, and you're obviously a dad of two girls. I was listening, I think it was, in fact, I know it was a Rich Roll podcast where he was talking about how we are, I mean, I'm 40, so we're a similar age. We will be the last generation of people who know what life was like pre-internet, pre-screen time, all of that stuff, but we're living both, right? So we had that pre-digital internet stuff and now we're living it now. And that, listening to that, I was like, whoa, that's... That's pretty hectic to think about that. So, you know, the next generation growing up now, like your daughters, they, they don't know that. How does that impact like your parenting and, you know, how much do you encourage them to get out? How much do you ride bikes with them? What does that look like as a dad for you? It's hard. You know, it's not just, it's not just me. It, I, it, was and it's not just the internet like our entire world uh this is a hard one right because like it's so specific to like where you live so i'll speak to it from my perspective yeah of course um but where i live the outdoor recreation um infrastructure like good sidewalks to get to the park is atrocious i mean it is atrocious to the point where i i mean i'm a pretty I'm a pretty carefree dad. Like, I'm okay with a little bit of risk, but I'm not okay with my kid getting ran over. And so I just live in this town that makes it really hard to um, get those, like, that immersion into the outdoors in the way um, that I would personally like. And it's one of my gripes, especially about the town that I live in. And so, I mean... I do the best that I can. I mean, I'll I'll tell you this, like I picked up my daughter, my youngest daughter from school today. And the first thing she said to me was, when are we going camping again? So. And how old is she, Patrick? uh, She is seven. Seven. So I have a seven and a 14 year old. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, So, I mean, I can tell you two things. One, my daughters are used to going camping they love going camping, and they're asking me, when are we going again? Uh, one of my fondest memories from last year was a, um, a tandem ride that I did with my oldest daughter. And, uh, you know, I've, I've taken them into the outdoors and camping and on bikes as much as possible. We go to the park, we play tennis, we go to the gym together. Uh, my youngest daughter and I especially will go on these fun little adventurous rides. Like recently we discovered a, um, a Frisbee golf course that makes a great bike track. But again, I don't have like a bike track to take her to. So it's like a Frisbee golf course that we're like converting into our playground for, uh, for bikes. And so it really speaks to, there's a great book I read, uh, speaking of books, um, uh, 
what is it? Uh, this the tagline is fighting nature deficit disorder. What is the book called? Hold on one second. Fighting yeah, yeah, nature. Oh, what is this fucking book? <laughs> yeah, okay, I was right. Last Child in the Woods. Yeah, I would. I should have trust myself by Richard Richard Liu. But that's a great book to pick up for other parents, and it really, you know, speaks to the challenges that we have um, raising children in this day and time. And it's a litigious, uh, it's it's a litigious world we live in. You know, he gives an example of like you can't go climbing your neighbor's tree because you're afraid if you like fall out and break a bone, they're going to sue you. Or you go to the park and. There's, you know, a laundry list of rules that you have to follow um, whenever you get to the park. So, like, the world is just moving away from the outdoors. And it, really, it speaks exactly to my passion for um, speaking about the outdoors and telling people how great it is and helping facilitate people getting out into the, into the outdoors. Um, and so, as a parent... I will say I'm not perfect. I, I struggle um, with it. I struggle, one, for lack of access, and two, because I'm a busy single parent that, you know, I I admittedly, I work too much, right? Like, I, I'm guilty and I feel guilt about how, how little I let myself down and how much I feel like I let my children down and I'm not providing them with as many opportunities as I would like to, to be honest. Like, um, I, you know, again, she got in the car and she wants to go camping. Like they have that love, like it's there. I've introduced him to him, but it's, it's an area where I could do better. And we live in a world, at least I live in, in this town, in this state. It's, it's, it's challenging. I think it's, it's more challenging for parents to raise kids in the outdoors unless you're just fortunate to grow up on a farm or, you know, have a national park in your backyard or a state park or whatever, you know, like it's harder now. Yeah, I think, I I mean, thank you for sharing that, first of all. And it is so sweet that your daughter is keen to go camping again. So regardless of how you're feeling in terms of priorities and all the rest, you've obviously planted that seed and that's something that won't be forgotten as well. So I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, It is interesting, you know, in terms of you're saying, like, you're responding in your environment. And I suppose I hadn't thought quite so much about the the real differences in terms of location. So I feel like the U.S., by the science of it and my impression of it, is that litigious element is much greater than potentially other parts of the world. And things like your public land restrictions and even not having sidewalks, like, to me, that's in all honesty I've grown up in the UK and I live in Australia there are pavements as I would call them everywhere you know Hmm. we live beside the beach here kids have a lot of freedom in terms of beach surf that sort of thing as well and even with that I know that parents struggle with screen time and all the rest because that's life right social media is life now and these things like we benefit from so much but we've known a different world and we know like how actually like I love getting into outdoors to switch off if I don't have cell phone signal to me that is such a treat because I'm like brilliant like I can I can just be free of that without guilt like I I can't do anything about that so yeah I feel like it's you know it's easier for us potentially to to value that having seen both sides of it and then in terms of yeah I mean that's one of the great 
No, uh, I, just about, you know, I mean, the, the socioeconomic differences, I mean, having sidewalks, at least where I live and, and in many of the communities that I visit in America, is a, is a thing of privilege. Like, we give wide streets and street lights and nice sidewalks and lots of parks in wealthy parts of the city. But, I mean, I live in, you know, not a poor area, but, like, definitely not, you know, just an average uh, yeah, there are not. There's not a sidewalk within miles of here, you know. And so I have a park. Uh, I literally could throw a rock and and just about hit a park. But this road right in front of my house, people drive like fucking mad people, and we will oftentimes drive to the park um, because like my youngest is seven, and like I don't feel comfortable. Like she's not. You know, she's a seven-year-old. Like I, you know, she she's liable to take a swift left or something real quick. And so, even though I can see the park from my front door, I feel like it's so dangerous just to get there that we'll drive or I'll have to like walk through the grass in my neighbor's yards and like clutch her clutch her arm just to get there. And it's a it's a real travesty. It's a real problem. Yeah, and that's also my ignorance in terms of like the privilege of those street setups and urban design and the rest. I I think feel like there's probably historically more of a car culture in the U.S. You know, like if I come to the U.S. now, I'm like, holy crap, these cars are huge! Like we don't have these massive trucks and stuff like that. It's not the same. Yeah. It, well, we haven't got there yet. I'm sure we will be heading that way, but it is just a different infrastructure as a result of that. Yeah, it's a real problem. We have we have car brain, we have car culture, and it's killing us. You know, I, I don't remember the stat, but I I, I was um, I saw something on the internet recently about the number of fatalities, like pedestrian and cycling fatalities, that's gone up in the last five years, and it is an astronomical number, and it is a real problem, and nobody seems to freaking care. You know, we're so obsessed with our cars. And this sense of entitlement that we have, that we have no consideration for people and, and ability to, we, so many people are just tuned out to this, even the desire to walk to the park with their family or to get on their bikes and like ride to the park as a family. Like it's just gone. It, at least, you know, I'm speaking from my own, you know, perspective here, but it's scary and sad and really bums me out, man. I want to go live in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you for sure. And then I guess in terms of like your own riding, so you're obviously podcasting about bikes, you're creating these events, you're also riding bikes yourself and then have described like the environment you're in. What does your like experience of riding bikes look like currently? Like, are you training for something? Are you riding on the road? What does that look like? Um... Oh man, my riding has been not great lately. Um, you know, it really again it comes down like it really for me comes down to the infrastructure, and I become more and more aware of oh, my own mortality maybe, and and also like how unsafe it is to be a cyclist. Like we all as cyclists we can't pretend that we're invincible and that we're, you know, I, I had a friend like locally that, that was a very experienced cyclist that was hit by a teenager, um, on the side of the highway 
I know exactly where he got hit. There was a huge shoulder. It was, you know, two lanes for the car to be in, like plenty of room. And, you know, hit him and he's dead. He's gone, you know. Um, Jay Peterberry was struck recently um, on the Tour Divide. And fortunately, he didn't die, but he had massive injuries from that. And, uh, man, another friend and uh, someone that participates in my events, Dave Rich, uh, recently got hit by a Tesla. It was a hit and run. I mean, you know, I don't want to be doom and gloom, uh, but I'm, I think it's important that we don't pretend that we're invincible and that it's not, to some degree, a, a dangerous activity. And I'm becoming more and more aware of how dangerous, you know, cycling in my specific town is with the lack of infrastructure. I'm... I'm just as likely to get hit by a distracted driver, somebody who's driving too fast, who blows a stop sign. Um, just right before this interview, I was driving driving to my house after picking up my kids, and someone rear-ended somebody, probably because they were looking at their phone not paying attention. Like, It's just scary to be out there. And so for me to get to a place to ride that I feel is safe, you know, it's like, it's literally a 30 minute drive. I have to put my bike on my car and drive 30 minutes just to get outside of the city center to be in an area that's a lot less car centric, um, a like a lot less population and it's just more enjoyable and pretty to ride in and stuff. And so, um, lately I've been riding a lot on the trainer. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of trainer rides lately, which I hate. I hate trainer rides. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, what's to... your relationship with that? Yep. Oh, loathe it, <laughs> loathe it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's 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 this it's this like growing sense of like my threshold for accepting uh, these dangers seems to be uh, getting like what, what my threshold is going down or up going down <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i had to think about that one as well what is yeah. my my threshold is going away uh but yeah i mean i'm i'm just i'm i'm just for whatever reason man it's just really been like sitting with me because i've lived in this town my whole life i've been riding bikes here my whole life yep. but i'm becoming more risk adverse maybe i'm starting to uh, realize my own mortality old. on some level yeah yeah getting old and then like also i mean it it it's it's a factor of what i said at the very beginning of you know one of my wishes of being a better steward of my time and that's something that i'm really trying to like hone in on my life is like how can i um maximize all of my time i have a lot on my plate i'm trying to accomplish a lot of things and me hopping in the car, driving 30 minutes to and from, that's an hour. Yep. Um, that's time that I could just like hop on a trainer and knock it out and get the fitness. Um, and, and to your other question, like I am training. I've got some big ride goals coming up for 2024. So like it's going to be full on. Like in March, I'm doing Mid-South, which is a 100-mile gravel race. And I won't be racing. I'll just be doing it for fun with my girlfriend. And then the weekend after that, I'm hosting my own East Texas showdown. 
And then the weekend after that, I'm driving up to Arkansas to take place in a uh, an event called Ozark Gravel Despair. So there's two routes. Um, yeah. It's the, a cheery title. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, that's my buddy Andrew Onermont. It's it's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> But the uh, the first one is like a 400 mile, and it's the Ozark Gravel Doom, and uh, it's it's you know he builds it as like the 400 most hard, gnarly, challenging roads in Arkansas, and then there's a 200 version mile version of that, and so I'm doing the 200 mile version, and then after that, like a few weeks later, a couple weeks later, I'm going out and I'm doing an ITT, uh, which is an individual time trial of the Arizona Trail Race, uh, the 300-mile version. Um, and so I've got some pretty big ride goals for, that's just the beginning of 2024. Yeah, wow. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living on the trainer, living in the gym, uh, trying to get as much fitness as I can. Um, I am going on, I'm leading a uh, bike camping trip. Um, this is one of our, our uh, Bikes or Death events. Uh, it's it's pretty low-key, um, but we're doing a bike camping trip next weekend, and uh, that's kind of a beginner-friendly ride. It's only 20 miles, um, really slow pace, but um, it'll just be good to get out and, and ride my bike. And really, I just I enjoy riding. Like, I'm not a super racy person. Like, I, I really try to... I enjoy pushing myself. But more than anything, I really enjoy being out in the outdoors and riding my bike and, you know, just being surrounded by nature and unplugging to your point earlier, like getting off my phone and, and really, um, you know, having a reset, you know, and, um, I gain a lot of value from that. And, uh, so that'll be nice. But right now, (coughs) unfortunately, uh, a lot of my rides are on the trainer. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it sounds like you've a lot coming up, which is super exciting. Um, In terms of the trainer, like I actually, funnily enough, I don't mind the trainer. When it comes to, I mean, you mentioned we've had running podcasts. I cannot stand a treadmill. Like I, I would rather not run than run on a treadmill. The trainer, I don't mind so much, but it does take a lot of mental strength to stay on there. And to me, you know, the fact that you are training that way would suggest you are super motivated to be doing these longer rides and to be fit for those. And I know you said you're not necessarily like super racy, but there's both a race and adventure element in there. Um, In terms of like that mental strength, in terms of like the value that you feel you gain from being out in the outdoors, like what does that look like to you? This isn't just like a physical experience. You've shared um, previously on podcasts like about social anxiety, about your experience with mental health and well-being. Like, why are you out there at the end of the day? That's a good question. I don't know how much it dovetails into my own personal, like, struggles with anxiety. I, I just said from a very young age, I mean, from as early as I can remember have just loved to be outside. I mean, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I want to be outside. I want to be outside doing anything. But I I love, I just love being outside. I love being outdoors. I love nature. I love pretty views. I love trees. I love cactuses. I love rivers. (laughs) I love mountains. I'm just an outdoors person. Like, I just love 
I love our natural world. Like I am just in love with it. And when I'm in it, I'm happier. You know, I feel more at peace. Um, so maybe there is an element there of like, you know, social anxiety, but I don't think I've ever like intentionally like sought the outdoors as a way to cope with the social anxiety. Um, because like the outdoors is just like, it's always been something that is just called to me and I've never been able to get enough of it. Like I want to go everywhere. I want to see everything. I want to be in it. Um, and I, it's just my happy place. You know, I'm just really happy. Yeah. In the outdoors. Yeah. And, I can... Yeah. Super broad answer. I feel like it's a really lame answer, but <laughs> right. I, I just, I like being outside. No, it's not. And I think to be honest, like it's almost like the simplicity of that is the beauty of it as well. It's like, you know what? I just feel great when I'm outdoors and like the appreciation for your surroundings. I don't think that's a lame answer. I think that is just a very honest, very genuine place to be. Yeah, no, I like, yeah, I agree. I like that. Like I don't, I like that. I don't need stuff to be happy. Right. I'm, I don't need, you know, to, you know, to, to bikes or whatever. Like I do have some nice bikes, but like, for me, the bikes aren't the thing. The bikes are the tool that gets me outside. I've always just sought the outdoors, and I don't, when I'm out there, I don't need anything else. I'm not looking to pick up my phone or, dang, I wish I brought. I, I used to bring a book with me, like every time I went somewhere, right? I'd always bring a book, and I'd never read the damn thing yeah. because I don't want to be my nose down in a book when I'm outside. Like I just want to be outside. I want to look at the bugs or the rocks or the, whatever the floor and the fauna is. Like I just want to be in the outdoors and I'm easily satiated by that. And, and you're right. That is a good thing. I'm glad that I don't feel the need to be distracted by other things. And I'm grateful for the fact that I get so much out of just our, our, our natural world. Absolutely. And I think like the beauty and the simplicity, like that is the beauty, right? And just being able to observe those things and not be distracted because in day-to-day life, there are so many distractions, you know, whether it's podcasts or books or screens or whatever, like that's a really special thing in 2024 to be able to actually just head off and experience that. Yeah. It's a good answer. I changed my mind. (laughs) Nice. Back yourself. It was a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I realized, cause I kind of referred to the social anxiety and probably missed the mark there. Is it, I mean, what does, what is that experience for you? And, you know, when I, when I look as an external person at what you're doing, you're hosting conversations with lots of different people, you're setting up events, you're meeting lots of different people. Like, does it come through in that? Is that helpful in dealing with that? Is that, does that play a role? Yeah. I mean, so for context, social anxiety and yeah, anxiety in general has been at the forefront of my life life since the age of 14. I remember exactly when I got my first panic attack. Um, I turned 44 in a couple weeks. So, you know, we'll call that 30 years. And for just about the last 30 years, um, anxiety has been to some degree or another, like the captain of the ship, right? Like the thing that is always in the back of my mind, that's always controlling what I do, um, when I do it, who I do it with. 
um, for my whole life. I've been like a, a prisoner in my own body. And so like it does speak to a little bit of why, um, you know, I never joined like social like group rides, right? Like I couldn't imagine showing up to like just a local like gravel ride and going and grab like riding with people like no no way that that could never happen at least historically yep um and so i've always like gravitated towards like just having one other person to go adventure with or like a small group of friends that i'm comfortable with but even in those scenarios like i would um experience anxiety but at least like maybe a little bit more manageable um but the interesting thing about about my journey is that it's actually taken a major shift in the last year. And so I guess I'll take this opportunity to, to share. Like, um, you know, I referenced like 2020, I went through a divorce. At the same time, the world was going through a global pandemic. And so while I was, you know, we were doing the pandemic, I was also learning how to be a single father of two kids and, um, you know, provide for them financially and, and set up a new life. And, um, it was very, it was the hardest season of my life to date. I think I've, you know, had a few bumps in the road. Um, but easily 2020 through 2021 has been the most challenging time of my life. And as a result, I found myself without even realizing it, somewhat intentionally, somewhat knowingly, but not really fully aware to the degree. I, I deprioritize myself. I prioritize all these other things in my life that were also important, like my family and my job and the podcast. But I stopped to take care of myself and I became a full-blown alcoholic. I mean, drinking hard liquor every single day, my mental health, my physical health, uh, at 42 was at a all time low. I mean, just absolutely atrocious. And fortunately, um, you know, I always, I always have considered myself like a, a health and fitness person. Like I, I, it's what I preach. It's what I believe in. Yeah. Um, I certainly like let myself down, but over the last, particularly like year, year and a half, um, I have recommitted myself to taking care of myself and that has been a journey that has become all encompassing. It's like, you know, when you start, you know, let's take it back to bikes. Like, you know, you're not going to ride a thousand miles the first time you hop on a bike, you're going to go for a five mile ride. And then you're like, Oh, I can do five miles. Now I'm going to try 10 miles. And then, Holy crap, can I do 20 and then one day you do a hundred miles and then, you know, it just, it really feeds on itself. And I've experienced the exact same thing through this journey of like health and wellness. And it's become all encompassing to the point where, you know, I mean, everything from sleep to, you know, I, I still drink occasionally, but only socially and rarely, um, but like taming my devil with, with alcohol, like getting control of that, um, really focusing on the relationships that I have in my life. Like who am I spending time with and what value are these relationships bringing me? Um, making sure I'm drinking enough water every day, 
Um, you know, spending my time wisely, focusing on things in my life that are meaningful and good. Like I, I have this corny phrase that I use, uh, total life optimization. That's the way I think of it. It's like, you, you talked about your treadmill. Well, I got my treadmill over there and yeah. you know, I'm, uh, almost always on my treadmill, like working at the same time or uh, on cool, my trainer cool. and working. And, you know, I'm finding ways to like maximize every single moment like how can i squeeze the most out of this and you know i'm going to the gym four or five times a week and um, really gaining control over like my physical fitness and my mental wellness and like and all this stuff and like the craziest thing happened which wasn't intentional but about two or three months ago I, I I've been in I've been on SSRIs for the last like ten or so years, and um, I got to a place in my life where I was like, I think I think I'd like to try getting off SSRIs, um, and I had the same thought at the I had this thought at that time like you know if if it doesn't work it's not a problem like I'll just go back on, but I'm curious like. Have I developed the tools? I, I think I'm better. I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm over the hump. And I I got off like a few months ago, and I'm feeling great. And I've, and that's what I was referencing earlier is like that I've learned that I can, I can trust myself and I can rely on myself, and that I have the tools to maintain a healthy and a happy life. You know, like. And for me, and I, I can only speak to me, I'm not a doctor and not telling people what drugs they should be on and what drugs they shouldn't be on and, and, and what works for other people. But I found for me that anxiety has been caused by things in my life that weren't okay. It has been my body manifesting things that aren't okay. Whether it's drinking too much or being in a marriage I shouldn't be in or being in a business that stresses me the fuck out um, or, you know, relationship, like whatever they are, not eating well, you know, like my body was sending me clear signals that I wasn't listening to or I didn't have the tools to understand what was happening in my body. And so, yeah, I, I really have like, today I feel like I feel like I'm cured <laughs> you know I feel like I feel like kind of a normal person I don't know what a normal person feels <laughs> yeah, like but indeed. I feel like a person who experiences uh, highs and lows and happiness and sadness um, but it's cool like I like emotions I like having the full range of my emotions and I'm I'm enjoying this you know I don't know I could tell you a lot of stories about this so I'll kind of treat keep it brief although i'm not doing a very good job but i yeah i i'm i'm learning that i have like the tools to manage it and i it feels good it feels good to have my emotions back both sad and happy like i feel like i feel like i'm feeling life fully now and now it's a fun journey of like i am a little bit more emotional uh and so now it's like okay well now you get to learn how to be a better, like how to manage those emotions better. Um, but I, I love the process of life. Like I have had enough failures in life to know that failures are not forever and that 
if anything, failures are our greatest teachers. Failures, when you miss the mark, when you come up short, when you struggle, when you spend two years as an alcoholic not learning, you know, not taking care of yourself, the rebound from that is so much greater. The knowledge that I have now, the feeling that I have now in this body yep. is so much more impactful because of the life that I used to have that not that long ago. And so I don't, yeah, I welcome challenges. Bring them on. Life is not ever going to be easy. You said it earlier in the podcast. Everybody has challenges and struggles. Life is not easy. It's demanding for everybody. And I think that's another thing that we can take away from um, from sport and from endurance efforts and through putting ourselves through hard things is this simple um, lesson. And this it's not just a lesson. Like when you do something hard, when you put everything you own on your bike and you go out in the woods and you ride for 100 miles or 200 miles or 1,000 miles and you're fully self-sufficient and you come back to your car and you drive home and you're in your shower and you're sitting in front of your TV and everything is great. You're like, that is a teacher. That has taught you that you can rely on yourself and that you can overcome hard things. And um, that's a tool, you know, that's a tool that you can live in your life. Uh, it's a tool that you can use in your life. You can apply to life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, thank you for sharing all of that. I feel like I could talk to you for like another two hours about this. I have so many questions. But really, yeah. Just Me too. <laughs> <laughs> relating that to endurance efforts, like it, that is a, a learning ground in itself, right? That you can apply to your life and vice versa. Like you know that you have been able to create a huge shift in your life and that gives you confidence in yourself and means, hey, I can actually go out and push on the Arizona trail or whatever that is because you trust yourself and that's an incredibly important thing that I think a lot of us are lacking in in some in some respects the, the other thing that I think is is important is to like give yourself permission to come up short yeah that like trying something hard and failing I don't even like to use the word failing but right. not finishing like not not hitting your goal is totally okay because the value of putting yourself in an unfamiliar, a harsh terrain, a scary environment like the Arizona 300. I'm absolutely terrified of it. Um, but that's good. You know, like worst case scenario, I am a better person from putting myself in that position and facing that fear head on. And that's something that I try to echo through my life, you know, is like, yeah, with like anxieties and stuff is like not allowing those anxieties to, yes, they've had a forefront in my life, but like I've tried not to let it hinder me. You asked me, you one of the things you put in our show notes was like, in what ways the social anxiety like manifests itself. Mm -hmm. Luckily these days it doesn't manifest itself too much, but like historically if I was going to go show a house, um, it was not uncommon that like I would have to pull over on the side of the road and like puke out the side of the door oh, wow. um, because I was so nervous. Like I would just, or like if I went to dinner with some friends um, and I'd have so much anxiety, I was just like a ball of energy. I'd like go in the bathroom and throw up and like come back out, you know, it was like, or bike races, bike races were a big one. Like every single bike race I ever did, 
I was always on the side of the track puking somewhere, you know, but I never tried to like let it control my life. Like it was always there and it was always like this thing that was battling in my head. Um, but you know, I've always tried to like face, face that as well. And like, not let it, not let it win, you know, not let it take control of my life, you know? Totally. And I think it's interesting you, you know, you made that reference to failure and whether that's even really the word. When we started the podcast over two years ago, I remember like having this question in my kind of lineup of like, you know, talk to us about a failed adventure. And over time, like, I don't believe that's even a thing. Like a failed adventure is essentially a lesson, a learning, which is going to make you like, it sounds cheesy the way I'm saying it, but it's actually how I feel. It's like, there isn't really such a thing as failure. And whether that's an adventure or you know, like I remember thinking of a divorce as like a failed marriage. It's like, hell's no, there's so many lessons that come into that that just make your life richer going forward. So I 100% resonate with that. And then the other thing I just want to acknowledge as well is this is why I love podcasts because from the outside, Patrick, like you are, as I've mentioned, you know, running this successful podcast, you have all of this Patreon following, you're creating these events, you're riding your damn bike it gives like an air of like such confidence and such, you know, it's, you don't necessarily see behind the scenes until you have these conversations. And I really appreciate you sharing that with me as well. I do feel like we could yeah. talk for another three hours. I am conscious of time. Um, and I think this is actually a nice place to round up just with one of my final questions. So I don't know if you've heard of Brendan Leonard on Instagram. He's semi underscore rad. Nope, shaking head. He's like so. he's American. He is. I don't even know how you describe himself. Like a, a writer, an illustrator. Um, he creates these cool little illustrations. They generally relate to adventure or life, and he's very observant in it. Like he's pretty funny. And one of his philosophies is about practicing maximum enthusiasm. And um, there's an essay <laughs> that he releases every year that I think he first wrote in 2012, maybe 2015. And it's about practicing maximum enthusiasm. And it essentially just comes down to what I see as a practice of gratitude, of recognizing whether it's little things in your life, like a really tasty burrito, or whether it's like a special connection or a bike ride or whatever that is. It's just recognizing it, appreciating it, and not being scared to practice maximum enthusiasm around it. So with that long spiel, essentially, Patrick, do you want to share today one thing that you are really grateful for? Oh, I'd love to. I'm grateful to be on your podcast. Um, and I'll, I'll zoom out a little bit, but I mean that. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to feel like I have a voice, you know, like I'm grateful to be a member of a community that I care about greatly. I'm grateful to have a seat at the table and feel like and feel like I'm doing something good and that it's having positive impacts in my life and in other people's lives. I'm grateful that people like you from across the world who I've never met listens to my podcast and was like and is like hey, Patrick's a guy that I want to talk to and I think I can gain value from him and, and my listeners can gain value from him. I'm super grateful for that, you know, because outside of this, I'm a guy that lives in Texas that sits in his house and pumps out podcasts and they go out into the world and I, you know, I, I don't 
Yeah, I don't. I certainly don't put myself on any type of pedestal, uh, and I don't think anyone else should either. But I'm never not going to be grateful for the opportunity that I have to be a member of this community and have a seat at the table and and have a voice. Like, how many people in this world want to be heard? You know, they want someone to listen to their ideas, to their thoughts, and for them to. And for it to resonate with people, right? So I'm grateful for that. So I'm grateful to be on your podcast. It really means a lot to me. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I, I really am grateful for your time and for your conversation. And yeah, it's been a real gift to me. So thank you so much. If people want to find you online, where is the best place to find you, Patrick? I'm easy to find. Bikes or death. I own every platform I think imaginable underneath that title so I'm easy to find bikes for death follow me awesome and yeah do check out the podcast even like if you've never even been bikepacking but you're curious there's just so much incredible content and conversation in there so yeah thank you so much Patrick I really appreciate you thank you sir it's been a lot of fun from the outback in the desert sky to mountains and rivers flying by It's the people there that catch our eye So come listen to our stories